What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another podcast of Ballsy. And in this edition, uh, we are not going to have our old pal, Evan Grant, who is in spring training. But I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'll be here and along with my good buddy. I'm Barry Horn, and we do have another old pal with us, don't we? We do have another old pal with us. We have Donnie Nelson uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Donnie, thanks for coming in and visiting with us today. Kevin and Barry, it's a pleasure. Barry, I got one question for you. Go Hit me. Where is that all-star WNBA daughter of yours these days? She, oh, my God. She was ripping up the courts in Frisco. I was I was thinking she might, you know, take the Nancy Lieberman path and uh, go straight to the NBA. No, she's at uh, Trinity University in San Antonio. She's still playing, and uh, more importantly, she's studying hard. Thanks for remembering. And I think everybody should know, Donnie and I, Donnie's son and my daughter played on the same uh, basketball team years ago, and I always marveled at the fact that Donnie could sit there and quietly watch while I was screaming <laughs> at everybody. I think it's just uh, everything about the professionalism of one of the people involved. Unbelievable, and, and Donnie, was a, Donnie was great. How is DJ? Oh, he's doing great at TCU, but the, uh, I, Barry, I remember you only screamed in but yeah, right. That's correct. All right, let, if you believe that one. Yes, yeah, absolutely. All right, Donnie, let's talk about the uh, the addition y'all made uh, uh, late last night, uh, David Lee, and uh, and let's just first of all just talk about what you hope he brings uh, to the team. Yeah, no, literally, it's fresh off the uh, the press. We we, we just thank him. He's down the practice court now with coach and. Uh, you know, the, the old good and man needs some rest. And uh, David uh, can swing between backup four. He can play some backup five. Um, so he'll uh, sell dirt, and that's much needed with, you know, 20-some-odd games left before, you know, we uh, start, you know, uh, the playoff, uh, you know, uh, uh, whole series. And so and he can also swing, you know, and play a little backup five, too, and he gives us a different look. Obviously, with Zaza, you have, you know, kind of the, uh, the, the King Kong of the paint, and then you come in with McGee and Mesri that are more slender, shot-blocking, you know, type players, but not really known, you know, for their o- offense, and Powell, who's really kind of been playing out of position there, um, but has given us some good minutes. But, you know, Lee gives us that mid-range jumper that he can drain, He's smart. He knows how to win in big uh, situations. And so uh, definitely a, a welcome addition. So, so, Donnie, tell us, why was he available at this point? Well, I think Boston was just, you know, A, overstocked at that. You know, they just didn't have any, enough minutes to get around. Uh, it was really on the last year of the deal up there. You know, they wanted to Boston going with a little bit of a younger look. And so he was kind of a man without a country. And, you know, they were able to, um, you know, negotiate a buyout, which cleared the path for it. Now, last year, you made the addition of Amari Stoudemire. And, and of course, that's a completely different skill set uh, from what uh, David Lee has. Uh, it, it seems to me, because just as what you said, you're looking for somebody to, to give Dirk a little spell here. Uh, Amari was not really that kind of player, in my mind, to, to do that. At least David Lee uh, resembles uh, Dirk Nowitzki's game a little bit more, and it seems a little more of a viable uh, substitution. Yeah, I think, 
you know, um, Amari's, like you mentioned, um, you know, is, is really, you know, was a, a physical specimen that gave us some low post scoring. I think David, you know, is really a, a very, very underrated passer. I mean, you can really move the ball. It can, you know, like I said, hit the mid-range jump shot. Um, so it'll be more of a seamless transition, I think, with Amari. You know, um, it gave us something that we hadn't had, somebody you can throw the ball to in the low post, but it's kind of also altered, you know, our system a little bit. And, and with um, with David, we hope that there's, you know, like you said, a, a smoother transition because he's more of a, you know, closer to the, you know, the big skill set than, you know, traditional post set center. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about personalities here, because I know uh, Rick Carlisle brought that up. The fact that uh, because of uh, uh, the addition of David Lee, you had to waive John Jenkins. And one of the things that uh, Rick said that kind of struck me was that, you know, that was a difficult thing to do uh, because of what a great room y'all have there uh, in the, the Mavs. And, and last year, it wasn't, it wasn't an addition made at the trade deadline, but it was an addition made in December when you uh, acquire Ray John Rondo. The uh, um, that was not exactly the case, uh, and and I want to talk to you <laughs> a, a, about that addition, and 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 I, I want to say first off that uh, that I fully applauded that move. I thought that was a move y'all had to make. I thought it was a gamble you had to take. It didn't work out, but it doesn't mean that it was the wrong thing to do. In the end, it didn't work out. Just because something doesn't work out doesn't mean it's always the wrong thing to do. But I but I wonder. How much y'all are, are factoring in now the the difference a guy's going to make in the chemistry of the of the locker room? It's always a factor. I mean, it's a factor. You know, since I've been here, it's you know we just have a very very high respect and regard. I mean, um, look, we've had a lot of success with guys. You know, Jerry Stackhouse, even you know Darren Williams. You know, came in and and you know uh, there was some rumors kicking around about, you know, New York and, you know, it wasn't the perfect situation and whatnot. So you always are measuring those things. You're, you know, you're doing your background and your due diligence. Look, the reality is, you know, if Rajon would have, you know, played last year like he is this year, we would have been having a whole different conversation. But, you know, sometimes it's systems, sometimes it's personalities, sometimes it's a combination of a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, we refer to that trade as the Dwight Powell trade, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, I, I, it is a factor, and I think, you know, there's always the risk. So even with, you know, David Lee, that's every team he's been on, he's, you know, been a chemistry guy and a team guy. Um, it's, it's, you're always kind of, until it comes out of the oven, you just don't know. Okay, so you're, you're in sixth, sixth place in the Western Conference now. Uh, close... Ninth, ninth place is breathing down on your neck. Breathing down your neck. Uh, what, what does this trade mean? Where is this trade going? Do you hope this trade takes you? Well, the the, or the, the signing. I'm sorry. Thing, sure. The most important thing is really that you know, with the stretch run here and every game counts. You know, resting Burke absolutely has its place, and we don't want fall off. And you know, Charlie just hasn't had the kind of year that he wanted or we wanted.
Donnie, let's talk about uh, building a roster. I, I wrote a little something about this the other day, uh, and, and you were very busy. I wanted to kind of run some thoughts by you, but you were, you were out trying to, to, to find David Lee at that point. Uh, when you, uh, to me, of, of all the major sports fran- uh, you know, organizations, y'all have the most difficult path in building a roster, um, not only because of the salary cap, but because of the shortcomings we, we see in, in the draft. And, and you and I have talked about that in the past, about the problems that you, that you have doing that. Um, is there is there any remedy out there for this? Is this just what you're going to have to put up with, uh, or, or is there something out there that, that the owners see that they would like to do, and then they could collaborate, uh, you know, with the players in the union and maybe work something out in the next CBA? In in terms of in terms of what in terms in terms of, well, I, don't, you know, in, in terms of uh, uh, I, I guess well I, I guess I would always start with the fact that the you know that the, the you know, and I don't know how much this has to do with the CBA but but with the in colleges with the one and done you know we we talked about the fact that how much how much better it would be if the uh, if there was an, uh, an agreement in colleges like there is in baseball where there, either a guy signs right out of high school or he stays three years or until he's twenty one. I mean that would be that would be great for college basketball. That would be great for the NBA. Uh, I, I think that would be great for for most of the kids involved, for for that matter. You know, I, I, this is you know, I, as a father, you know, you are always putting your education hat on, and you know, I don't care what your background is. You know, you look at all the, you know, the great successful people. Um, they always put an emphasis on education, and so you know, the fact that. We're encouraging kids to go to college is is a great thing, and it's probably the you know highest highest most honorable uh, calling. Uh, that being said, you know you always get the question. Well, in tennis, people can turn pro at this, and hockey they start they start that. And gee whiz, are you guys withholding opportunities? And you know I, the way I've uh, historically answered that is look for every you know Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant, there's a hundred kids that think they're that. I mean, you know, those of us who, that, that were the age of 18, you know, a few years back, you know, you think you can, you know, walk on water and run through brick walls, you know, and so, you know, all of a sudden you have a couple of your friends that say that, oh, man, you're the next Michael, and you start you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, and before you know it, you make a bad decision, you're cut from an NBA roster, and you're flipping hamburgers. I mean, so I think, you know, there are the exceptions, but, but believe me, if Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant or Kobe Bryant stayed another year or two or three or whatever. You don't think that they wouldn't already they wouldn't have you know the, the same amount of money at the end of the day? I mean, it's so you know you go back and forth, and but but the the greater good of all is that you never go wrong with having a collegiate experience and you know have an opportunity to encourage kids to get their education is, is the most important thing. So so what what would you do with foreign born players? The international. You know, it's a little different. It's it's a little different animal in that you know it, the, the educational system is different. Uh, you know, it, it's a club system. Okay, so it it would be akin to I think you know um, a golf you know club or something along those lines that you you get your high school team, but really you know you're you're um, you know you go to you know whatever FC Barcelona's academy. And you start, you know, learning and getting private lessons and, and this type of thing. And so it's a little bit different than it is here because uh, the, the structures are different. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I would say that, again, whether you're born in this country or, you know, over the pond, 
you know, education is just, you know, to me, the, the, the key to success in anything that you do. So you, so you would like to see, an eight, well, what would you do with an 18-year-old Dirk Nowitzki then? Would, would he be in the club system, then come here, go to the University of Kentucky for three years, and then be eligible for the draft? Well, you know, overseas guys, it's a little different, so you don't have to do that. But, you know, whether it's, you know, educational um, systems over there or it's over here, I, I, you know, I think that's, you know, splitting hairs. But, you know, the other side to this, you know, Barry, is that the, the drafts seem to get be getting weaker and weaker every year. And it's another issue and a problem is, you know, you know in the old days you had drafts and you had, players all the way, you know, uh, through the end of the first. And now it's, you know, midway through the first, it starts getting dicey. And, I mean, obviously there's always uh, an exception or two of you know, fall guys that get drafted in the second round and surprise everybody. But for the most part, and this this year is one of the, you know, weaker drafts, you know, um, you know, on record in the last decade for sure. So, you know, then you have the question of, well, listen, if you have a great talent, you know, why should an NBA team, you know, that is willing to uh, take a chance, um, you know, be punished? And so you could really argue this back and forth, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm looking at the greater good of all the kids that are out there, and um, I think to encourage education, you can you can you never go wrong. So you got a uh, there were reports out there that you uh, had some uh, pretty nice offers for a couple of your young guys. Is that one of the reasons why you uh, when when you have something that in hand here that looks pretty good, uh, why risk that? Because I think that the, that the general fan out there always thinks that a first round draft choice is a good thing in in any sport. They always think that's a good thing. But if you have something in the hand already, you know what that quantity is, uh, and you just referred to the fact you don't believe this draft is going to be very good. That you'd much rather have that than uh, than just have a just so you could have a first round pick this year. Well, picks are good if there's players. You know, if if there's not very good players, then you know you're stuck with you know you know a guaranteed situation. I mean, there's been you know first rounders in the past that guys looking to drop kick them because they don't want the you know they don't want the financial burden. So. It, it depends on the depth of the draft. I mean, they can be the most valuable things, or they can, you know, be not very valuable at all. And you can also make the case for a high second being as valuable as a late first because you don't have the same obligation, you know, financially in terms of years. And so it's, you know, it, it, it really, it's like, it's just like a trade. It's, you know, if you're, if there's talent there and you're acquiring talent, then, uh, you know, you, you've had, and draft picks, you know, go for very, very high prices, you know. But if there isn't talent there, then, um, and, and again, with, you know, obviously we gauge drafts years in advance, and when you're, you know, measuring your downside, you know, you, um, you're always looking at that. And, you know, that was certainly, you know, part of the Rajon deal. It was, it was comforting for us to, you know, get calls on, you know, some of our Anderson and Powell that, you know, middle to, you know, to, to, to late first-round picks for those guys, which is another reminder that, they're, you know, we're developing good young players. And I think last year we kind of took a unique step in that we, um, we signed a, lot, a bunch of free agents to multi-year contracts. And those guys also um, 
John Jenkins being one of them, a three-year deal at a very uh, reasonable number. And I think that he'll get picked up off of waivers as a result. But here's a, a really good young you know, player that's on a very reasonable deal um, uh, that's got upside. And, and those contracts uh, combined with the talent player also have value. You're the, you're the guy, you're the talent uh, acquirer. Evaluator, but also yeah, you go out when a guy when a guy like Justin Anderson gets drafted and he's here. Are you disappointed that he doesn't get to play more? Not really, because I understand that we are. You know, it's tough. It's tough to crack the rotation, and you know, I think you know of all the coaches I've been around, Rick really tries to do his, you know, you know, get those guys minutes when and where he can, and I think uh, Rick. You know, uh, working working out with these guys, and literally on the floor, you know, two hours before practice, and so he's he's vested into these you know young guys as well. And so, um, you know, whether it's you know an opportunity to get some meaningful minutes if there's an injury or somebody goes down with fouls or whatever, um, whether it's garbage time or you know whether it's you know us sending them up to the D League twenty minutes up the road, which is also really nice component of our development system you know it's not like the old days where a guy sits on the end of the bench and is just dies on the vine and doesn't get any real game experience so uh but no it's and it, again we we've got mike procoprio that does a great job with our young guys and look we've you know our track record is there you know aminu came in here and um unfortunately we can only do a one-year deal so you know portland is kind of reaping the benefit of that but you know, Brendan Wright that, you know, really, you know, didn't develop and really didn't get the time of day and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we developed him into a player and some of these other guys. So the the young guys I think are getting the right mix of, you know, development with Rick on the court and playing time with the legends and uh, I think it's a good mix. So uh, as long as we're talking about the D-League here, that that's intrigues me as well because, uh, you know, to, to me, uh, as I mentioned earlier, of all the sports, baseball has no cap and it has an extensive farm system uh, in which they can develop these guys. And, of course, that's expensive to do that. In, in the NBA, you talk about the D-League. I do think it, it does feel like the D-League is a, is a more viable option to develop players than anything you've ever had before. Uh, but is it is it – Still, is it enough, really? Though, is it is it something that could just what you talked about? You develop a guy for a year or so, then you lose him. You know, uh, for for whatever reason, uh, is it possible that 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 uh, there's another step forward for the D League? Something you can do to, to try to develop some of these young guys. I think that's a big priority for the NBA, and I think in the early days, um, you know, David Stern and Adam Silver really saw, you know. Um, just a huge opportunity to, you know, develop young players that were really forced to go overseas, you know, and there was really no infrastructure for them to meaningfully be um, uh, scouted and, and developed here in the United States. And so in each year that, you know, I've owned the Legends, it's, they, they've taken, you know, huge steps forward in, in my whatever six and a half years, you know, as being part of the, the D-League, it's just, amazing and that will continue to grow and i think for a, a couple reasons number one is you know it it gives our players uh, under contract a chance to go down there and get runs and and dwight powell was you know a big big uh recipient of the benefit of the d-league last year he played great and as a result he turned from a you know a, you know pretty much a perceived you know uh 
Kaskin for you know the, the the Rondo trade to him being a rotation player for us. You know, this year we've had you know Mejri go down there and had a real good experience at springboarded him in some really good games and, and minutes for us. Uh, Anderson uh, as well, and, and Evans, you know, who doesn't have to go to the D League because he's past the three year cutoff. Uh, he's a five year veteran. He he chose to and and volunteered to go down because he wants to keep his skills sharp. So when he's called on, so. It's not just, you know, your grandpa's D-League. It's the opportunity to, A, you know, develop your young players, but also, you know, get the uh, veteran guys, you know, to uh, stay in shape just in case somebody goes down. You might look at Mike Jones, who played with the Legends a couple years back, and we had some injuries, and he ended up, you know, coming in and starting for the Mavericks. So um, it's, a, it's, it, it's a really a good thing, and, yes, it'll, it'll continue to grow. Uh, let's let's go back to the Mavericks for a second. Uh, how surprising has Zaza been to you, or has he been surprising? You know, Zaza to me, uh, you can split the MVP ball in half, and we all obviously all know what you know. Dirk brings to the table, and you know Parsons has really really been kicking in now. He's you know healthy, and we're starting. He's getting confident. Matthews last last night hopefully is um, a nice step in the right direction, and. Williams came in and, you know, as a starting quarterback, provided us kind of what we expected. But the two kind of un- unexpected um, guys that have really helped us this year are, are Felton and Zaza. You know, Felton, uh, again, here was a guy kind of like in the Jerry Stackhouse mode. Most folks saw him as just kind of a, a cast, you know, cast into that, uh, that deal, but worked hard, put himself in a great position, and has been one of our best closers and has definitely won us some ball games. And with his uh, body type, you know, he can guard ones and twos, and he's unafraid. And uh, just, uh, But Zaza, you know, has held down the center position in the West um, with not a whole lot behind him. You know, Dwight Powell has played there, but he's a little bit out of position. McGee's kind of been injured on and off, and... Then you've got Mejri, who's a rookie, and so you know if Zaza goes down, we're in a world of hurt at that center spot. So if you're asking me to you know, give an MVP trophy, you know, to date, I'd have to flip a coin and say, you know, split it in half between those two guys. Maybe the headline could be: If Zaza goes down, Mavericks are in doo doo. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Donnie! Try to ignore that. Okay, I'm sorry. you know what? What the, you know when you look at Zaza's career numbers, they aren't they don't come close to what he's been doing here. And I and I've heard that explained, and it makes good sense to me that well, when you're playing with a four like Dirk, he's a guy who's going to draw the big man out uh, because of his range, and that and that kind of frees up the middle a little bit. I think even Zaza has talked about that some. Is that all of the explanation, or is there something more about what's happening here in the chemistry of this team? You know, I think it's a factor, but really, you know, you think traditionally of, uh, you know, the guy that's held down the pain is, you know, usually, you know, 7-2 and a shot blocker, and, you know, if you get some offense great, but, you know, with the firepower that uh, we have when all cylinders are clicking, you really don't need a lot of offense from that position. Well, you know, when Zaza came in, we're like, man, the guy can barely get it over the rim. So he's definitely not going to be a shot blocker. You hope he can hold down the middle of the paint. He's, you know, he's played on teams that are kind of either developing teams or poor teams. 
we've always liked him. I mean, I saw and met Zaza when he was 19 over in Europe and you know, loved him from day one. Um, but he was prototypically kind of a backup center um, that was, you know, obviously thrust into uh, the spotlight, you know, when, you know, things went south with DeAndre. And so, uh, but Zaza does it in a different way. He does it with brains. He does it with, with brawn. He's able to positionally uh, wear guys down. You know, when you, when you enter the ring or the paint with Zaza, man, you are exhausted by the end of the night. And that's the kind of impact he's got. He's not going to, you know, block a big shot, but he'll position and he'll, get you out of the paint with his strength and and oh by the way he's one of the all-time great chemistry guys and so he's really kind of um you know taken our locker room to a different level as well i want to talk ask you one last thing and i'd be remiss if i didn't do this uh but because you mentioned the fact that you have known zaza he was 19 uh of course as everyone knows you signed the all-time greatest foreign player uh or didn't sign but you you found the all-time greatest foreign player in in dirk Nowitzki. Um, what, what is going on now in international play that, uh, it, it doesn't seem like y'all are at going that route as much as you, as you used to, or is it my imagination? Uh, is it, is there something uh, different now? Is it, is it because more clubs are, are pursuing these uh, routes? Is it, is it just not as, uh, economically feasible to do it? Uh, what's the situation? Oh, no, we're as active as we've ever been, you know? Measury, for example, you know, I mean, he's the first player from Tunisia, you know, so I think, you know, I think we're, we're always going to gravitate to where the opportunity is. And it's just, you know, I think it's been more domestic, you know, in the last couple of years. And part of it is, you know, again, we're, we're really trying to do justice to, to Dirk's career here. And he's earned every right to, you know, for us to make a run at the roses here, and that that was really the the intent of the Rondo deal was to you know give us the quarterback that could kind of a la Jason Kidd, kind of take us to the next level with passing and defense and rebounding and whatnot, and um, and so we're going to put all the chips on the in the middle of the table for the big German to get guys to to to, to come here that know how to win playoff games and. Hopefully we can have a nice uh, special run like we did a few years ago. So I think um, it's been you know a little bit more traditional recently, but believe me, we uh, we're turning over stones and on every continent, and we'll continue to do so. How disappointed were you that uh, for the Dirk movie you didn't get an Academy Award nomination uh, for, uh, for your supporting role? Hey, I'm the luckiest stiff on the planet. Believe me, I mean for. That to happen the way it did, and me to have a small part, and it was you know to to have him to come over, and uh, it just you know the, the the milestone he passed last night, twenty nine thousand. You just sit there and you're like, man, dude. you know, it seemed like yesterday that he and Nash with the bad haircuts were in the, in the press conference with Belly and uh, Burke. Dirk was buying his you know literally his his first you know sport coat at Lombardi's. Lombardo's up there, and uh, you blink, and it's like, you know, your kids, it's 18 years, and holy criminy, where did the time go? But it's been an incredible ride. We want to, uh, you know, continue to uh, take advantage of his window. I mean, at the tender age of 38, the year he's having is just incredible. So hopefully he can have one of those, you know, Jason Kidd-type careers where he plays till he's 
seven. <laughs> that'd be that'd be something. Well, you know, I tell you what, he's uh, he's certainly one of the all time. Not only one of the all, he is the all time great Maverick, but one of the all time great superstars in this in this market. I don't know of another guy who's carried himself any better as as far as uh, in the community, uh, just in his obligations to the team, his obligations to the fans. Just a a world class guy, Donnie. We appreciate you so much taking the time, and we'd like to take advantage of having you back with us sometime. Uh, you've been great, and uh, and we'll check you out down the road somewhere. Thanks for the time, Kevin Barry. Thanks, Donnie. Take care. Bye-bye. That's our old pal, Donnie Nelson. Uh, and you know what? We like an old pal. We like anybody who, who likes <laughs> he's to almost as old. That's only because he's almost as old as we are. Yeah, that's true. But I tell you, it was remarkable. I used to go to youth league games with him, and he'd just sit there and stoically watch, and I'd be screaming well, he, and, first and of yelling all, at the officials, <laughs> and, and he'd, be, he'd go, shh. Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> Did he really tell you to take it I easy? I think he once told me to take it easy. <laughs> he should have. Here's the thing, because people just think of you as just that dork dad over there. I mean, I, they, they see Donnie Nelson. That's they know correct. Who he is. That's correct. And I'd sit behind Donnie because he's he's a big guy. He is a big and guy. And I'd kind of yell from right behind him. I'd always find the big guy and yell from behind him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think you know just to go back on the news of the day, the signing of David Lee. I think this is a this is a, another typically good move for them. I, I think that he's a he's a good player. Still has a little bit left. He can give them a little something. It's not going to be enough. No, you know. But here's the thing. Here's what they want to do. They want to climb up into that fifth spot. If they can get fifth, and then you end up playing the Clippers in the first round, you got a chance to get into the second round. And that's what this is all about at this point. Just getting into the second round of the playoffs. No, no question about it. Because if if they're in uh, six, seven, or eight, it's over. It's over. It's over. And speaking of over, so are we. Thanks everybody for coming. We appreciate it. Let's We're, just before we go. Let's just say we also have podcast today with uh, Evan Grant, who we uh, calling us from Florida. And not the, Florida, from Arizona. From Arizona, and the great call from Florida. We're in trouble. And the great Rick Goslin, who'll be calling us from Flower Mound. And he will be talking to us about the the NFL Combine coming up. So make sure you check those out too. See ya. Bye.